Um, well, like I mentioned uh, when we first started, we are going to take some time now to engage in our spiritual journey uh, through the teaching and through the scriptures of Jesus. Uh, like we say often here, actually every Sunday, uh, we believe that we need a guide in our spiritual journey. Even as spiritual realities and spiritual truths can be found in all sorts of places, we do think we still need something outside of us to guide us because we don't have it all together. We don't have it all figured out. And so here at Ethnos, we believe that the person of Jesus and his teachings and his scriptures are one of the most helpful guides for us. In fact, there's something so unique about who Jesus was and is. There's something so unique about his teachings. We believe it's worthwhile that to every week spend some time reflecting on and engaging with his scriptures. And so we're going to transition into a time of, of doing that now. And we're going to continue on with a portion of the scriptures that we've been in for the summer so far. It's a portion in the book called Genesis. And we've been looking specifically at a person by the name of Abram in this scripture portion. And today we're going to uh, dive back into that story and think about how that story helps us to have an everyday walk, an everyday relationship uh, with God. Now before we get into the story, as usual, we want to get started with a question to help us just think through uh, what we'll be reading in this story and think through how it might apply into our lives. And so here's a question for this morning, and it is kind of diving deep. We're just going in right away for it, and uh, so hopefully you'll be ready to join us in this dive. But I want to just get us thinking about where in our lives right now do we feel like things are not working? Where in our lives right now do we feel like things are maybe dysfunctional? Maybe there's a bit of disappointment Things just don't seem to be working right now. Could you take about two minutes, turn to your neighbors, and just begin to process this with your neighbors? And we'll bring it back and think through how this applies to our talk this morning. All right, it sounds like uh, the conversation is dying down, so it sounds like we're, we're ready to do a little sharing, perhaps. Uh, yeah, who wants to get us started here this morning? Let's open it up and just kind of hear from each other. Uh, where right now, as, we, as you get going with the summer, where do you feel like life just isn't quite working out for you? Who wants to open up a little bit and share with us? I know, we're diving in. It's, it's like honest, honest talk real fast, real quick here this morning. Okay, all right. Reggie, you're going to get a start? Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, one area of my life is just time management. Um, yeah, I think right now it's like not where I want it to be. Um, yeah, it's a lot of uh, just not having consistency and just uh, making my own schedule and trying to do things I need to get done. Like, I'm pretty good on, like, Monday and Tuesday, but, like, as the week goes on, it kind of just, like, gets worse a little bit. So just trying to get a handle of, of my routine and time. Thanks. Let's give it up for Reggie for getting started. Yeah? How many of us can relate to Reggie? Time management? Just, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Lots of honest people here. That's good. That's good. Uh, who else? Who else want to get us get uh, who else wants to share with us? What's, what's not quite working out right now? Where do you feel like, man, things are dysfunctional, this isn't good? Yeah. So our little group all had very similar answers. It's like people, people. the friendships, relationships, family, and just like managing those. And yeah, so we all had very similar answers in our group. Yeah. Thank you. Let's give it up for Rachel. Thank you. Yeah. How many of us feel like right now a relationship is not working out, not going 
as it should be. Yeah, okay. That, that should be a lot of us, too. Yeah, everyone raise your hand. Okay, yeah. Anybody else? What's not going well? What's, what's dysfunctional? What's broken? Yeah. La familia. Difícil. Yeah. Juntos. Yeah, the family is very difficult. Yeah, yeah. Let's give it up for Luz. Thank you, Luz, for sharing. Yeah. Uh, family. Everybody agree with family? Okay, yeah, some of you raise your hand very quickly. Okay, yeah. Anybody else? One, one, last, one last stereo. Anybody? Yes, over here. I think just, like, the way that I relate with myself sometimes, uh, just can be dysfunctional, like how I, how I see myself, how I view myself. Wow, that's deep. Thanks, Tim. Let's give it up for Tim. Yeah. <laughs> how many of us uh, can relate with Tim, um, the way I relate to myself? Just kind of dysfunctional, broken. Yeah, okay, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's real. That's real. You know, um, as I think about this question and, and uh, you know, the things that go on in my life and the things that go on uh, just as I listen to a lot of the stories in our city. I mean, it, it seems like every day uh, there, there could be a disappointment in our life. Every day there's something dysfunctional. Every day there's something that just doesn't seem to work. And as we dive into the scriptures this morning and think about this man that lived some 4,000 years ago by the name of Abram, uh, we're going to get a feel for his sense of disappointment, his sense of dysfunction, his sense of things just not working out. And I think it's something that all of us will be able to relate to. But the solution to some of the dysfunction, the way God will enter in and invite him to something bigger and better will be, I think, a little shocking. And we're going to need to think through what exactly is happening in this story. Now, before we jump in and read the excerpt from this morning, let me just remind us of where we are in the story. Uh, if you'll remember, we're looking at a story of a man that lived some 4,000 years ago who was promised by God that God was going to bless him. That God, in fact, not was only going to bless him, but bless his family. And through his family, through his offspring, the world would be blessed. Now, part of the story, of course, is that, well, if this is going to happen, then Abram and his wife Sarai well, they would need to have kids, right? If the blessing of God's going to come through him and his offspring and go to the world, they need to have kids. But the story has been going on now for about 24 years at this excerpt that we're about to read. 24 years. And Abraham and Sarah still don't have any kids. And so the question is, of course, well, God? <laughs> What are you doing? Is this thing about having kids and being a blessing to the world through my kids, is it actually something that's going to happen? Or is this just a, a broken dream, something that, that's not, not ever going to happen? Is, like, what's going on? And so we enter into the story at this point. Let's take a look at our excerpt here this morning. It's going to be a little bit long, uh, but uh, bear with me. I think we'll find it very fascinating. The story begins... When Abram was 99 years old, so this is 24 years after God first shows up in his life, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully, 
and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Now let's just pause and think about this really quick before we go on. God made a promise to this man 24 years ago. And not only did he make a promise 24 years ago, in those 24 years, God has been showing up on occasion to say, I have this promise for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great person through your offspring, and the world will be blessed. The last time God showed up to him and talked this way was 13 years prior to this story. We read that story last week, the whole story about Ishmael and Ishmael's birth. That was 13 years prior to this. Just think about this real quick. Think about the time that has elapsed. I, I made allusion to this last week. You know, last year's story was like 10 years away. There was a 10-year gap of God working. This time, it's, there's a 13-year gap. And I, I said this last week, and I'll say it again this week. I mean, we get impatient with things in life when 13 minutes have passed, let alone 13 years. Man, this is tough. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. This is my agreement. This is my contract. This is my relationship that I'm going to agree with you on. This is my covenant with you. You will be a father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, which means great father. Your name will be Abraham, which means in the Hebrew, father of many nations. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants. And after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Now, can you imagine just like hearing this 24 years later, after God has already told you this? Like, I don't know about you, but I'd be like, whatever. <laughs> like, okay, well, yeah. You know, you have people make promises to you, right? And they keep breaking them. And after 24 years of promises, I mean, my heart would be just, like, out of the game. Just, just be honest. Notice what happens to Abraham. Well, God keeps talking, actually, and he says this. Then God said to Abram, as for you, you must keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You're to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant is your flesh of in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Now let's just think about this really quick. Here's a God who's making these promises with a man. 
for 24 years. It doesn't seem like God has kept his side of the bargain. And then to top it off, God has the audacity to say, and this is what you need to do, even though I haven't done my part. I need you to get circumcised. Like, I need you to be <laughs> at the most vulnerable place. Cut. And scarred. You know, there, there are times when someone asks us to do something, and we know there's a benefit for us, right? But can you imagine being, having a promise broken for 24 years? And then being asked to do some of the craziest things ever you've ever done? Wow. Well, Abraham does what I think many of us would do. He laughs. Notice, well, we're almost there. God also, in the next paragraph, makes a promise that Sarai will have a child. And then notice in number 17, Abraham laughs. He says this. Abraham fell face down. He laughed. That's, I think that's what I would do. I'd be like, God, you are, you're crazy. <laughs> he laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarai bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham, and Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. This was the son he had with the illegitimate slave woman last week. Then God said, yes. But your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call his name Isaac. Isaac means laughter, actually. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his number. He will be a father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abram, God went up from him. Now, again, let's just think through this and, and just process this. What would you do if you were Abram? You've already laughed, so, you know, that's what I would do. Like, God, you, like, this is crazy. Like, you're, I mean, like, I, all I can do is laugh. This is unreasonable. And yet, notice what happens in this last paragraph. On that very day, Abram took his son Ishmael, and all those born in his household are brought with him, bought with his money, every male in his household, and he circumcised them, as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household, are brought from a foreigner, are bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. Now, we're going to have some volunteers. We're going to do a demonstration of what this, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> We're not going to reenact this out. Um, but this is, this is you got to admit, this is just a strange, strange story. What are we supposed to get from this story? How is this supposed to help us with our journey to God today? There are three important ideas, three truths, three spiritual ideas I want to share with us and have us process as it relates to circumcision 
and this story, okay? Now, just in case you we're not on the same page, let me just be very clinical with us really fast. Circumcision, as many of us know, is a medical procedure, essentially, performed on the male sexual organ, a penis, where a layer of skin is removed for various reasons. Some people would say it's hygienic today. Uh, as, we can say, as we can see here in this story, it's removed not necessarily for hygienic reasons, but because God apparently has something he wants to communicate through this procedure. Now, what's, the, what's, what's God trying to communicate? Three things I want us to think about. There's three angles to, take to, to look at. And I'm, we've put them on the screen because today's a little more complicated. Usually we don't talk about something so obscure and strange. And so I want to make sure we get it right. First of all, for Abram, what circumcision meant was this. It was done at the place of disappointment and dysfunction. Right? Abram was not having kids. The organ, the sexual organ and responsible for producing kids was not working. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to have you mark that place, that place of dysfunction, of disappointment, because I have a bigger purpose and plan that I'm going to, go to do through what you think is something that's dysfunctional, something that's disappointing. You know, for us today, let's go to the next slide. It makes sense, right? That God often meets us in our biggest places of disappointment and failure. Our biggest places of dysfunction. Inviting us at that place of dysfunction to enter into a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. Uh, some of you know my story of sexual dysfunction. Uh, many of you know that, because uh, I've shared it here before, that at the age of 14, I came to Jesus, or Jesus met me, and I was in a place of sex addiction, a place of a lot of anger, a broken family, really messed up. And God met me in that place of dysfunction, of brokenness, of disappointment. He became my father when I didn't feel like I had a father. He became a man in my life when I didn't have a man in my life. He helped me understand what it meant to be a person. And it's interesting that as I look at my spiritual journey starting from the age of 14, so much happened to me in terms of my sexual wholeness, that today, as a director and pastor, I tend to help a lot of other people with their sexual brokenness and wholeness. I don't, I don't ask for it. People just come talk to me about it, and it's because this is what God does. Some of you think I'm a, a decent leader or sort of a good leader. Some of you don't, and that's totally cool. I'm not saying you need to think I'm a good leader. But if you were to meet me at the age of 14, right before Jesus encountered me, you would have thought I was like the total loser. Because I was. I was the follower in the crowd. Like, I'm not even kidding. One of the funniest stories I remember as of being a follower at the age of 14 was that I hung out in junior high, in middle school, with the football quarterback. Now, granted, I was on the football team. This is how big I was in eighth grade, so it's a decent size. Uh, I was free safety, had an interception in the championship game, all that good stuff. Yeah, I did decent in football. But I hung around with the quarterback, and I was that guy who was the follower with the high school quarterback and the cool, like, hip-hop kid that hung out with the quarterback, too. And, like, 
I, would the, I was the guy who laughed at all their jokes. You, you ever seen that guy who laughs at all the jokes? And this one time, the quarterback turned, at, turned to me, and we were just hanging out, I was laughing at the jokes. He's like, dude, you laugh at everything we say, like kind of in a you know, demeaning way. And I laughed, right? Because I was a follower. I, 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 would, I didn't have like a spine in me. I didn't. I was a kid who was lost. I was a follower. I had been made fun of so much in my life. Yukon is a funny name. And growing up in places like Madison, Wisconsin, and Salt Lake City, Utah, like, you just get laughed at. Right? That's what happens as an immigrant kid back in the 80s, 70s and 80s. And yet God met me and began to say, oh, Yukon, you're going to be a leader. In the place of your biggest disappointment, in the place of your biggest dysfunction, God has a plan. God wants to meet you there. And God wants to take you into something completely different at that exact point of dysfunction, of disappointment, of brokenness. That's what circumcision actually is about. But here's the deal. Circumcision, if you read the story closely, was supposed to be Abraham's way of entering into God's covenant, God's purpose for Abraham. It, it was something Abraham had to do, right? But here's the deal, and this is point number two of circumcision for Abraham and us. A physical act on our end to enter into God's plan and purpose is ultimately lacking. It cannot transform our human hearts to be truly committed to God. What we mean is something you all and I all, I know very well. No amount of things we do to help us get committed to God will actually get us committed to God, right? You know this. You know the commitments you've tried to make with God. God, I'm going to, if you do this in my life, I'm going to stop smoking. God, if you do this in my life, I'm going to stop cussing. If you do this in my life, I'm going to stop whatever. And what happens like 36 hours later or 36 seconds later when something goes wrong? You're like, dude, I got to smoke it out. I got to cuss it out. You, you know how it goes. No amount of like physical things we try to do to make a commitment to God actually work. In fact, God knew this when he gave, when he told Abraham to get circumcised. Even though this story is like so intense. And you're like, man, this is a big commitment. Man, if I get circumcised, I'm going to be committed to God. Well, we know the story, or some of us know the story, that Abraham and his descendants very quickly stopped following God. In fact, if you turn your page over and look at the second scripture from Jesus' scripture here this morning, they so quickly not follow God that very early in the, in the development of the people of God, a few books later after Genesis, God has to tell this to them. He says this, after, after he tells them, you guys are going to disown me, you're going to fall away from me, you're not going to follow me. He says this, the Lord your God will need to do this. The Lord your God will need to circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants. So that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. 
Meaning, circumcision is this removal of a skin on the penis that's not, necess- not needed, per se. But there's a deeper circumcision that has to happen. Our hearts, there's something wrong with our hearts. We can't stay committed to God. We try, but we can't. And so God has to come in and remove something at that deeper spiritual level so that we can actually be committed to him. Now, here's the deal, of course. This is beyond our control. This is something we can't do. This, and we've tried, right? We, we all try to be committed to God if we're on a spiritual journey. And so point number three with circumcision for Abraham and us, a circumcision of the heart is always needed, one where God comes in to cut away, so to speak, things in the heart in order for the heart to be devoted to God, and this ultimately will come through Jesus. Note this last scripture on our sheets here today. This is written some thousands of years later by the followers of Jesus. They see this, in Jesus, and this is crazy, in Jesus, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off or cut off when you were circumcised by Christ. What is this saying? This is saying that when we allow Jesus to come into our lives, one of the things Jesus will do is that he will cut away, quite literally in some cases, the junk, the, the, the dysfunction, the brokenness, the, the evil within us. He will start cutting that away so that we can be devoted to God. And the way he does it, and some of you have experienced this, the way he does it, isn't through, again, try harder. It isn't through, like, be more committed. It's much more subtle and transformative. What happens, and if you've opened your life to Jesus, you've, you've begun to experience that, this already. Jesus is actually very relational. He's very personal. And what Jesus does is when he comes in to our lives, he'll just begin to actually speak to us about certain things. And he'll begin to point certain things out and be like, hey, that's something you should probably, like, give up. Or that's something you should probably figure out how to surrender to me. Or that's something you should talk to somebody else with. This, that's something you need to do. And, and he be, what he begins to do is he gets into our lives and he begins to talk to us and point things out. And begin to, as a result, and when we listen to that voice, things begin to get cut away. I'll share with you um, some stories a little bit later about how I experienced this and then maybe how we can experience it more together. But what I want to do is I've been doing a lot of talking here this morning. Uh, I want to take a moment, hit pause, and have us turn to our neighbors and just process what we've talked about so far. We've, we've, we've talked about a lot of interesting things. This is a kind of a different sort of ancient passage, uh, ancient scripture excerpt. Turn to your uh, neighbors two, for two minutes, just process What are you thinking through as we talk about this? What are some things you agree with, disagree with, some things you you feel like you need to know more of? Two minutes, and then we'll bring it back together.
about 10 more seconds. Just kind of process through. All right, I'm, I'm curious. We're going to uh, just take a brief moment and kind of open up the floor again. Um, yeah, what are you processing through? Do you have any questions, comments, thoughts about this, what we're talking about here today? We are talking about stuff that the reason I'm opening it up and usually we don't open it up again is because this is a pretty odd scripture. I got to say, it's very odd. Uh, but yeah, any questions or comments this morning? Good? Oh, 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 up here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Didn't see that. Justin, yeah, what's up, man? What's up? My, uh, my marriage was a major dysfunction. And we're in the process of separation and subsequent divorce. And But what came out of that <laughs> is I have full residential custody of my son now. So I'm thinking about this. And it's just amazing how things are working. Um, I've gotten a lot better. I'm getting a lot better. My son just said two things to me that <laughs> he just brought to my attention about this. So I just sat here and prayed. Um, but even as this is happening, in the midst of this right now, God is still working on me and, and developing and making me even better in the process. It's just awesome. So I'm just glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for sharing. Let's give it up. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, in, the, in our greatest places of dysfunction, disappointment, God, God, it's amazing, yeah. What else? What else are we processing here this morning? Anybody else? Right now, I'm feeling dysfunctional behind the fact that um, trying to get to know somebody and truly be um, truthful with a person, and then they turn around and use it against you. Okay, okay. And that, tell me more, Deborah. That, that, you can't talk anymore? Okay, okay, okay. Let's give it up for Deborah. Let's give it up for Deborah. Yeah, thank you, Deborah. What I, what I hear you saying, Deborah, is that something you're learning is a place of pain right now, right? It sounds like it's, it's pain, a place of pain. And I think, like Abraham, Abraham's story, too, again, that place of disappointment and a place of pain is a place that God could perhaps be working in, which is hard to wrestle with. It really is. Well, I want to invite up uh, the musicians again. And um, what they're going to do is just begin to help us enter into a space of, of prayer and reflection with God. Um, this is really important for us here at Athos because as we talk about these things and think about these questions, uh, when all is said and done, if God is real, if God is truly here, if our lives are more than just the, the material things we see, and, and there's something bigger going on, a bigger g person, a bigger plan at work, then we need to interact with God. And we need our, to personally hear from him and engage with him. 
And so this morning, we have touched on some very fascinating truths in the story, haven't we? We've talked about those places of disappointment and dysfunction and how God is using those, or perhaps more accurately, trying to meet us in the midst of those to bring change and transformation. We've talked about how change and transformation, though, isn't something we can do on our own strength. It's not like try harder, get more committed is going to work. We've all done it before. It doesn't work. A circumcision of the heart has to happen. And we've talked about how that circumcision of the heart, at least according to the scriptures of Jesus, happens only at the hands of Jesus. That Jesus is the one who comes in and cuts up our heart and cuts away what's unnecessary and broken and deformed. And he's the one who makes the heart able to commit to God, to experience God, to love God, to love others. And so where are we this morning? Where are those places of disappointment? Where are those places of us just trying to be better, but we're not making it? Where are those places where we need to give Jesus a chance to come in and do his work?